Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, Rangers. Welcome to the dark forest. My name's Jackie Cation. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. TheDorkForest.com if you enjoy a determiner. FamilyPetAncestry.com for all your family pet ancestry needs. Actually, it just goes to JackieCation.com. Anyway, let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard. He will sing again the uh, his words to the Mexican hat dance. Patrick Brady will fix this audio, and Vilmos just redid my website so it looks all purdy. I recommend you wander around it. You may buy merch at my website, JackieCation.com. You can see links to this podcast and my other podcast, both available on iTunes. This podcast, part of the AllThingsComedy.com network, and the Jackie and Lori show about stand-up comedy, just on the Nerdist network. So that's exciting. The merch page is also over there, and that's where you can get T-shirts, CDs, and my DVD, and links to the downloadable, streamable DVD if you just want to pay 10 bucks and watch it. Uh, the hard copy of the DVD you get from me at JackieCation.com. All the T-shirts include shipping. They are 100% cotton and U.S. union-made shirts. So they run big because we do. Other than that, I do stand-up comedy. My, my new tour schedule is up there. And this week I have a couple of sets in Los Angeles, and then I am off to, I believe... Seattle to work with uh, Maria, Maria Bamford. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing Seattle. And then, yeah, I don't know. Go look at my website is what I'm saying. <laughs> Other than that, there's the Amazon banner and the donation button. The donation button and the Amazon banner are both under support the show. And you can go there. You can donate direct using PayPal. Uh, if you'd like to give me $10 a month for 10 months, that's 100 bucks. That's a super fan. And if you don't have that money or want to, uh, that's fine. You can also just, without costing you anything, use the Amazon banner, which is just a portal on the support the show page that takes you to Amazon. Then you order like normal, and then the Dork Forest gets a bit of a kickback. Other ways to support the show? Tell people about it. What the heck? You could follow me on the internet on at Jackie Cation on all the things because nobody else is at Jackie Cation. Nobody has that name. It's just me on Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all all the things. Let's get into the show because it's a really good one. Thanks for listening, folks. Let's do this. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room in Van Nuys uh, with a great comic that I have known off and on for approximately three years. Carlos Alizrahi, welcome to the Dork Forest. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, and this is a really cool place to be. I'm glad, I'm glad to be invited into Dorkdom because I grew up a jock. And so right. it's kind of a... I wasn't anti-dork. It's just the path that I took. Right. You you you, uh, you did not go into your locker and then out into a world of Narnia. No, I, I was a scrappy kid since the third grade because I was short, and I, I probably should have gone into Narnia and uh, and uh, C.S. Lewis's closets, but uh, I decided to fight back instead and then become a jock and into sports, but secretly always wanting to be a dork because we grew up on British television, the two Ronnies, uh, Faulty Towers, and did my you brother and your parents and I, sit around and watch like PBS? Uh, BBC shows? Yeah, our parents we did some of that. Shoved it on us. You yeah. Know, Channel 9 and, and where we grew up. And Doctor did, Who? No, not that. We Sitcoms and mysteries. The Two Ronnies, Faulty Towers, 
What's the Monty two Ronnie's? Python? The two Ronnies were Ronnie Corbett. I don't remember what the other Ronnie was, but Ronnie Corbett was actually featured in uh, extras with uh, Ricky Gervais in that series when they go to the BAFTA Awards, the English <laughs> award show, and he's in the bathroom doing cocaine. That was Ronnie Corbett. And um, also, we loved the Adam West Batman, which is coming back in an animated form. He, yeah. Him and Burt Ward are going to voice their characters. But we had a baby carriage, which was white, uh, wood with metal wheels, and we turned it upside down. It was painted white, and we drew bats on the wheels, and we'd play Batman and Robin. Oh, fair I enough. remember that. Yeah, so that's as close as I got to comic booky type, was oh, loving that show. Know in your heart that the Dork Forest, uh, we just did uh, an, an episode with Will Anderson about cricket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Proops did the history of baseball. We've oh. had some jocks on. Oh, yeah. I've done several episodes about football, uh, the history of the... The owning of football teams like NFL oh, and yeah. CFL. Rosie or... Frontier, Georgie Frontieri, who sold the Rams, the Jetta Yada. It was, uh, we could do one of those if you want, but it was like, no. it was, it was, uh, you know, like there's, there's leaks and how the league started and oh, how yeah. and the and TV stuff. went. No, no, no real, real, real football leagues with, with stadiums and stuff oh, and yeah. how professional, the history of professional football was kind of a, so I've, I've had, yeah, there's mm-hmm. no, I had a lady talk about bees. That's not traditional dorkdom. Which, by the way, in South Carolina, millions of bees have just died because of their spraying for Zika. And uh, they killed a bunch of bees as, as well. So Honey thank bees? you, Republicans, uh, for trying to shove your Planned Parenthood crap into a Zika bill, which should have been passed a long time ago. But I digress. Wow. That is that is like nine topics in one. Yeah. Because it's you're talking honeybees, the mm-hmm. Zika virus. Somehow the Republicans did that? Absolutely. It's And then there was no... And so they killed the bees because they were spraying for Zika, but not they did because they, they waited too late. It, oh, okay. To get ahead of it to, before it came to Florida, they, I get they it. wanted bills and funding to be available, but they're like, "Oh, uh, yeah, we'll support the bill if you shove in this piece of crap." And then it was if you attached keep to ladies a, a, from having a choice. It was a Planned Parenthood thing that was yep. attached to it. Yep, dirty bills. It's wow, a dirty bill. That's what they do. It is what they do. Both sides do it, but in this particular case, they wanted to get their agenda out. Yeah, but when the, the Democrats do it, they're usually talking about child care. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's less, a false equivalence. You're yeah, right. it's okay. so. But I, yeah, let's talk about The Exorcist. We should, which is Speaking also a horrifying rage, thing. It's a horrifying uh, film, but I just was reading on a quote that Friedkin and especially uh, Linda Blair said, "Please don't call it a horror film." Oh, really? They wanted. But you have a, a book in front of you says 101 horror movies. I know. Is The Exorcist in it? It is in it. Is that, uh, who's the person on the cover of that? That is Linda Blair, Regan. Oh, so not only is it really called a horror film, it's called, it's the horror film. Yeah, it, uh, it is what covers Stephen it's a, J. Schneider wrote this book, uh, Rangers. horror movies you have to see before you die. He also wrote a book, I think, called A Thousand and One Movies You Have to See Before You Die. But we would go to Eddie Brant's on Vineland and try to find some of these more weird ones, the Dario Argento stuff. Um, but Exorcist, for me... What year did it come out? Early 70s, I right? I believe okay. it's 73, I want yeah. to say. William Friedkin. And, um, did he direct it? He did William direct it, yeah. After, okay. uh, yeah, he also directed Friends Connection. He was pretty freaking brilliant. And there's all kinds of theories that are attached with it. And I'm not so much into all the subliminal theories kind of stuff. And I, I, I try to learn more. But for me, it was a movie that when I was a kid, 73, I was 11 or 12 years old, and my mom's an Episcopal minister and a priest at the time. Wow. And my friend's Catholic. And we we're all like, oh, you can't see that movie. It's evil. <laughs> it's not good for kids. And so I waited. I waited till about 2001. I was all alone in my house. And all grown up. In North Hollywood with my two dogs by myself. And I said, I'm going to see The Exorcist. I went out and bought the DVD. And I, I, I played it. And, and it really resonated with me because it was more than a, a shock film that you can't see because you're a kid. And it's, and it's horror and it's terrifying. 
it resonated because it was a story, uh, four stories coming into one room, culminating into one room, written by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the book. He was okay. the co-writer of Shot in the Dark with Blake Edwards. He's okay. a comedy writer. Okay. So he goes to Georgetown to study law. Yeah. <laughs> he digs up this case, I believe, of a, of a 1959, 12-, 14-year-old boy who was possessed by a devil, a okay. demon. Yep. And all the raised – you haven't seen the movie, so there's raised lettering on the stomach that says, help me. All that stuff was accounted in this story. So what? as he's studying law cases, he writes this story about a, a young woman who has a mother who's a single mom actress <laughs> – who's trying to deal with life with being a professional actress and being a mother and being close to her daughter as they're uh, living in Washington to be on the set of this movie she's making. Okay. Um, you also have a, a detective, Lee Cobb, uh, playing a detective who, living in the neighborhood, kind of a supposedly the foundation of the Columbo character. Okay. A bumbling comedian that might otherwise seem kind of stupid. But, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it's probably nothing, but I just wanted to bring it up, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Who's basically the archetype for John Turturro on the night of. It's that okay. type of seemingly bumbly character that ends up to be very intelligent, very right, smart. Right. So it's that story. It's the mother. It's Regan who's going through a transition in her life. She's a single girl, so she's growing into life. The metaphor is that she's this is, changing. This is the Linda Blair, Blair Linda, character. Linda Blair character. Okay. The other story, well, actually it's five stories if you count that, but it's, it's Father Karras who is doubting his faith. Because okay. his mother's dying and he didn't do enough to help his mother and so he can't take it. He doesn't know whether his faith, it's clearly his fault. God has yeah. forsaken him because right. he, his mother died and he never took care of her properly. And then you have another story with Max Foncito who unearths in Iraq, it's the, the beginning of the movie, he unearths this little statue called Pazuzu, which is a demon. And he realizes that when he digs it up, he's done something very terrible. And there's a very ominous sign. Uh, there's two ominous signs while, while they're in the Iraq portion of the movie, which, by the way, they had to use British crews because it was 72 while they were filming and Americans weren't re- exactly uh, accepted in Iraq because of the the uh, sort of relationship we had at the time. Okay. So there's a, like a 107-year-old woman that they have riding by in this dark carriage looking at him as he's already dug up <laughs> in a very ominous area. And then he stares to look at some ruins and these pack of dogs start fighting. <laughs> <laughs> big old orange sun, and it fades to present-day Georgetown. Okay. okay. His mom walking down the street. Wow. So nobody did him the curse of the mummy thing on him. It was just we got it because an old woman uh, looked deep into his soul and some and dogs. Said, you uh, shouldn't were... have. Uh, we could wow. cast, right? Dude, yeah. You shouldn't have fucking dug up that statue. Yeah, that that's statue. Pazuzu. That's a demon spirit. Yeah. That's like. And then why don't you take it back to Georgetown with you? Yeah, take it and back to Georgetown. Just stick it in your carry-on. And so yeah. now it's Father Marin battling this demon Pazuzu, which he's been da- da- battling for a long time and the thing that it's not a horror movie per se it is the story of all these stories culminating in one room which gives it its impact you've got father Karras now eventually when the exorcism happens you've got a mother who just wanted to be an actress and really didn't care about her daughter so like you get up there and you save my fucking daughter right fuck acting right right and then you get a cop so that it's says more of a thriller it's more of a, a supernatural thriller is what Super, William Friedkin okay. call it. All right. And it doesn't cuz horror I always think that there's monsters or there's um or there's a, a lot of bloodshed. Like Halloween is that slasher that nice mix of a guy dressing up in a Michael Myers aka William Shatner mask. Okay. Which it was. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a William Shatner mask and they just took off the hair. Oh, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> I know where you are. I can see you through the slats. Um and so that's you have a, again all these stories culminating in that one room. The detective knowing that Burke 
Jennings, her English director friend, got tossed out of the room by an otherwise subdued, tied down girl. Okay. He's like, I just, I just, I have a question. It's like, how could that happen? I might be wrong. <laughs> and, uh, you have, uh, Ellen, uh, Burston. Uh, okay. The, the mom saying, fuck acting. I want to help my daughter. You have Father Karras going, ah, fuck, I doubt my faith and I don't want to do this exorcist, but shit, I guess I have to. And then you have fucking Max von Sydow, the old veteran going, oh, fucking Pazuzu. I got to go in there and kick the shit out of this guy. Let's go. And so that's all happening in that one room. And it gives it, there's four different journeys. It gives it that power. Is it mostly shot in one room? The, like the latter like- part of it is. The latter part of it is. But I, what I love about it is that Georgetown is this very privileged neighborhood. It's very rich. That's where the university right. is. It's that section of Washington that's mainly white. D.C., right? D.C., yeah. Georgetown, yeah. And and so the the background isn't scary. It's not a gothic ca- castle right, right, or right. a dark or dark forest. Right. It is a beautiful neighborhood with a rich, affluent Making it even spookier. Spookier, that this yeah. could happen to anybody. Right. Um, it is at the corner of Prospect and M Street. The actual address of the home is 3600 Prospect. Everybody knows it. You can go visit it. Sure. Um, I've counted the steps. Uh, now it's so, to me, it's blasphemous because the steps are being used as a CrossFit training thing. These people <laughs> run up and down the steps and then come How to- How many steps are there? There's, there's 72. I've actually counted them. Okay. What, um, what, and what are you going up the steps to what? The building you're, where you're, it was shot? Yeah. You're the going up the, you're stuff? ascending up the steps, uh, because what used to be there, I believe, was a gas, uh, a gas station. I, now I think it's just a parking lot where Father Karras falls to his death and, uh, uh, Father Dyer comes to give him his last rites. And it's the famous scene where at three o'clock in the morning, Friedkin was frustrated with this real priest. Okay. Uh, who was playing Father Dyer. And he's supposed to be reading Father Karras' last rites. And, uh, cause Karras has taken it upon himself to take the devil into himself, Pazuzu, and say, okay, I got you inside me. I'm fucking jumping out the window because I need to kill us both. I'm, oh, I get I'm going to be the martyr. I, oh, right. So he saves the girl. The epitome the of not doubting my faith anymore. I fucking got faith now. Right. And you're coming out of that girl. He's like, come into me. Take me. That's what he says. Yeah. Take me. Take me. Okay. And as soon as his eyes goes, he's like, boom, I've got her. We're both, I'm dying. And then he jumps. And then, then he, he does the lethal weapon. Oh, Only cool. it's not Danny Glover and it's not a happy ending. <laughs> Uh, no, but he's, he takes the bullet for the kid. He takes the bullet for Regan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who, the, and how, we'll get into it, but I'm going backwards. But so at five o'clock in the morning, they're trying to get the shot where Father Dyer is supposed to be giving, uh, Karis his last rites in this parking lot at the bottom of the step, 72 steps. But they added 18 so that the stuntman could jump onto the steps. They also moved the facade to the right side of the steps so they could make that happen. Because the actual house, when you walk up the steps, is yeah. on the left-hand side too far away from the steps. Okay. So they cheated it, built the facade of the house right next to the steps on the right side, and okay. added 18 and padded it to give the stuntman a chance to do it. Right. Um, so he falls down all 90 steps. Crazy, crazy-ass stunt. Because yeah. it's Friedkin. He did weird shit on... French Connection too had no permission to shoot freeway scenes, block traffic. He was just that type of a guy. So, <laughs> who was this, any idea who the stuntman was? Our no, I, okay, I should yeah. know. It, real geeks would. You, well, no, no, you might, you might enjoy finding that out. That's what I'm here for you. That'll, Thank that's, you. That's what I'm here for you. Thank okay. you. <laughs> so it's five o'clock. I keep changing the time. Three or four in the morning. Yeah. They're not getting the shot. They've taken it six times because the father dire is just it's not working. And so Freakin had learned this trick from a French director. So he said in his. I think it's his own autobiography, if not a biography of him. He said, I learned this trick from a French director. He's like, do you trust me? And the father daughter's like, yeah. He goes, good. And he just winds up and smacks the fuck out of his face. And he slaps and, him? And then the guy's just like shaking. And he's yeah. like, roll it. And yeah, so when yeah. you see Father Dyer <laughs> giving Karis his last rice, yeah. his hand is shaking. 
It's all because freaking uh, smacked him across the face. Right. He was like, dude, trust me. I'm yeah. about to give you a lesson in acting. Yeah. And it's going to be very method. Method. There you go. Yes. So the freaking Stanislavski method. So if we backtrack, yeah, the, uh, the origin of the story is that she's playing with a Ouija, Ouija board or as we say Ouija board and discovers this character a, called Captain Howie. I have a Hellboy Ouija board oh, in the you? kitchen. Yeah, I got Ooh. it for Andy when we were uh, just dating because uh, oh. I knew he liked Hellboy. Didn't know that he did, he could give two dams about uh, Ouija boards. So we we have it up. You it's should nice. have it up. Uh, you should see the Penn and Teller thing on on bullshit about Ouija boards. Oh yeah, it's so awesome. We turn it sure. upside down when people were going yes yes. He goes fuck you. We turn it upside down. You were actually pointing to no. So fuck <laughs> this whole Ouija board mystery. But in the movie, she summons a character called Captain Howdy, which is her imaginary play friend. Okay. And it and, and again, it is a metaphor for her coming into her puberty, a twelve okay. year old girl moving from her neighborhood with her mom who's constantly on set. So they've just moved. They've just moved to Georgetown. I okay. think to be on the movie set. And so she doesn't know what to do with her Ooh, life. It's her all imaginary should... friend kind of is yeah. is it? So they take her to get a spinal tap, they take her to a psychologist, and uh they try to figure out what is happening to this girl. She's literally changing. Yeah. And yeah, it is a mystery. Mostly, it is a mystery. Mostly to men. And so yeah, they're well, just like, what's happening? What going, is, what's going on? I live on Vagina Island, so I have two girls and my wife there. What's your vagenda? Yeah, uh, exactly. Do you have a vagenda? Oh, oh, you Five-year-old women, forget yeah, it. Women, it. I'll tell you this, they are fucking smart, conniving, manipulative, and lovely. As babies? Is what you're oh, saying? Your, your right children? start. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. But in a good way. Okay. I know yeah, my daughters yeah. love me, but I also know they control me. Okay, there you go. I don't know how it is, how to fix it, right. or how to get around it, but mm-hmm, I do mm-hmm. know that they, they control they, me. Do you feel controlled? Absolutely. But, and you're like, I'm cool with it? I'm cool with it. All right. Well, I then, just go with it. It's a river. it feels like consenting. Yeah. It seems like a consenting symbiotic relationship. It is. It's not they are the, the fruit of your loins, and thus they have some control over uh, their parent. Yes. There you go. Fair they're, enough. They're very smart. Very smart. Uh, I didn't have any control over any of my parents but as a, as a tiny girl child, but that'll happen. It'll happen it's eventually. A, my father is essentially, he was like radiation. He wasn't around much, but he affected our life a lot. Ah, great so, line. There you go. There you go. I love it. I'm always you call writing, it Fukushima. Carlos. Uh, Fukushima. Daddy right? Fukushima. <laughs> that's, the, that's the current radiation. Mode. By the way, I did not tell people, I am with Carlos Alazrahi, mm-hmm. which is spelled A-L-A-Z-R-A-Q-U-I. Mm-hmm. And it's at Carlos Alazrahi on Twitter and Instagram. And then you have a Facebook, a fan page on Facebook. Called that people the love. Carlos Alazrahi. Because there was already a Carlos Alzrahi uh, me, page? which I established, and so oh, there you um, go. I have a, and that's your personal page. Yeah. Okay. Which so. is managed by uh, a floating person in this room right now. Right. Who you may were or may the not first. Be. You were not the first actually to bring a PR person to the dork forest to my living room. Yeah. But uh, you were the second, and I'm always uh, awkward. It's always awkward. It's nothing to do with Justin. He's doing good work over here. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think it's because we both feel we don't deserve it, and. And because you know what, I finally gave into the premise or the the reality that I'm not good at this stuff. Oh, I don't know how to hashtags and did. I go, why don't I hire somebody who's very good and does it professionally? Right. Because we are a product. Yeah. Uh, I know so, we're artists, but right. we're also we want to get a fan base. Right. Right. So, so he's actually doing all of your social media stuff. The dirty work, time. as it were. It's yeah, yeah. Which is it's you know it's. It's shoveling sand for a living. Congratulations. I'm so, I hope you are well remunerated. Yes. He is so, well, well renewed. And I, have, I actually thank you for using the word remuneration because I <laughs> use it quite often. 
Oh, there you go. And for my daughters, you will not be remunerated for your chores. <laughs> so exactly, it's part of your, it's part of the social contract of being a child. It is. Um, this yeah. movie, and I know we'll get onto that, really resonated with me, and I recommend it not as a horror flick, but it it, it ultimately fly frightens us because it, it it sort of taps into the fact that we have no control over our lives. Okay, really, what happens? We can manage ourselves, manage our health, but. Something can happen, a car accident, deaths, things that we just, uh, cl- we were just talking about climate change, Trump, the, the attraction to this type of person. There are things that are out of our control. We can right. vote mm-hmm. and hope that Hillary Clinton wins, mm-hmm. but if Trump wins, it's out of our control. Right. We could try to oust him from office, but those things are scary. Right. It's very ominous. And so this movie taps into that. That Which is why it's known as sort of the greatest horror movie in the world, because it must resonate with so many people. The yes. Only, the only one of those... What I think of as religious horror movies, which it probably nobody wants that. But I mean, The Omen. Yeah. I saw The Omen Very when I was in college and, uh, it, it genuinely scared the shit out of me. So I don't, but it was, it, but this is like that too, where it's a religious base. I mean, I'm fascinated. We're all fascinated. I mean, a lot of people are yeah. fascinated by, I don't mean to make sweeping statements about, yeah. uh, uh, about religion and about sweeping faith. statements. Believe me, a lot of people. I know a, a lot, lot of people, of people that are make sweeping, sweeping statements. Yeah. And I, I'm certainly fascinated by, I like the idea of a religious horror movie, you know, where, where demons come in, where bad guys, but I want it to end good. I want people to live. I want uh, the demon to be defeated. It's, I like a do. happy ending, right? Yeah. It's, that's, I'm a huge fan of it. And so does the, the exorcist, is everyone in it out of control of their, of their lives? Is it, is it that, I think they, they over and over and over again. Is that happy sort of in as much people, happy in as much as people have accepted the changes in their life? It ends with them leaving. They're going to leave Washington and go back. I think the film is done because the director dies. Jennings gets thrown out the window, so that kind of fucks up her movie plans, and she forgets about it anyways. And so oh, in I think, the movie, the one that she was, the yeah, movie she's filming the movie within a movie. Was supposed to, yeah, Ellen Burstyn is in a in a film. She's a star and of a film. That director kills. But Jennings gets tossed out by Pazuzu, basically. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. And, um, um, what does it say about Hollywood? <laughs> it's just like, we're going to do a movie within a movie. Well, yeah. And it, in the end of it. What it says about Hollywood is, is that your self-importance doesn't matter. Right. You know, you think that, well, I'm a movie director. I'm an actress. Certainly nothing can happen to me. I'm affluent. I'm on set. I've got right. handlers and, I'm a and white PAs. Lady. I'm a white lady. Mm-hmm. Um, should all work out. It should all work out. And it, it, it sort of does. It, it is the rite of passage for everyone. Lee Cobb ends up befriending the young priest, Father Dyer. Uh, Father Karras dies, right. uh, really not, never resolving what he did to his mother, but going to meet her ostensibly in that other place. Right. Um, Max Foncito dies during the exorcism. Okay. I'm not, I'm going to say this, here. uh, for, but sorry, well, I, I, you, you I was, should see it, but well, no, it I'm doesn't assuming, matter. No, it doesn't matter because first of all, the movie is from 1973 and spoiler alerts from 1973, yeah. they don't I'm, count. They don't, they don't count. Um, no, there's a, an exemption. There's a will, statute of limitations. There's a statute, very much so. And so, and I will put it in the notes. Uh, yeah. Know that we are discussing this movie at great detail. You know yes. that when JFK goes to Dallas, it doesn't end well. It's not going to go well. Yeah. It's not going to. Yeah, it's uh it's one word: Zapruder. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so many of these people die, but the mom lives, the kid lives, Regan and she lives. doesn't have um she doesn't have a demon in her anymore. No, Pazuzu has been uh, exercised. Right? How about the detective? The, Does the detective? Lee Cobb is still like 
Because in the mo- very beginning of the movie, he just wants Father Dyer to go to a movie with him. He just wants somebody to go see a movie with him. To okay. Be- to have a friend, to have somebody yeah. to go with him. And there's a great scene, and Lee Cobb is so good. He was an on the waterfront. And he goes up to Ellen Burson, who's an actress. He's like, um, okay, I just came by to ask him. So I hate to do this, but I, I have a friend. <laughs> it's Total Columbo, which they say yeah, yeah. it's the origins of. I have a friend, and you know, he's a big fan of yours. And if you could, could you sign a picture? That would be really nice. And then he gets it, he goes, I lied. It's for me. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I really appreciate it, but I, I gotta go now. But hey, if you, if you, if you have any more facts about it, what might have happened in that room? Right. Because one night he drives by in his car and he looks up and Regan is supposed to be tied down and you see this shadow going across the window. And he's like, I was fucking right. That thing broke out of its – and tossed right. this guy out the window. But nobody <laughs> wants to admit it. Right. Um, and then there's a famous line in the movie that people always thought – I always thought meant there's an astronaut playing piano at one of her parties. It's kind of the first night that Regan's changing. Okay. She walks downstairs – at the bottom of the stairs, all the party guests, hi, Regan. All the party guests look at her, and she just spreads her legs in her dress and pees on the carpet. And she looks at the astronaut and goes, you're going to die up there. <gasps> and I always thought, oh, you're going to die up there in the room. But yeah. what it meant was, if you go into space, you're going to die. Okay. Which is weird, because the music is from a guy named Mike Oldfield. Okay. Five miles out, tubular bells. Okay. And freaking turned down Hitchcock's guy, all these guys, and went, I want tubular bells to be the ding, 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 ding. Okay. And then I go to Ireland in the Guinness factory. Yeah. And Mike Oldfield was one of their pitch guys. One of the, hey, Mike Oldfield loves Guinness beer. And I'm like, yep. oh, shit. There's oh, there you go. Whole exorcist connection to Guinness. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, say, I'm basically saying if you drink Guinness, the uh, devil will enter you. Right, and you will go into space and die. So does that guy go into space and die? Do I think he's it? like, holy fuck, I'm not... I guess I'm not going to space. Your daughter's crazy, but let me think about this. Yeah, exactly. Double double check. She just was willing to pee in front of a group full of people. Yeah. She might know something we don't. She seemed pretty serious about it. Yeah. And then the spider walk, which is where Regan is walking down the stairs, is not in the original movie. Oh, no? Uh, the spider walk is in, in the director's cut. Oh, okay. Which I think Friedkin wanted to put in to demonstrate just how far this girl was damaged. Okay. And to break up a moment where uh this woman has to come in and tell Ellen Burstyn that Burke Jennings died. And she's like, oh, my God, Burke Jennings died. And that's not enough. She turns over and looks over, and her daughter's crawling down the stairs backwards, uh like fucking doing the spider walk. She's like, fuck! Yeah. Holy fucking shit, can I get some bad news for just a fucking <laughs> second without a demon fucking right. crawling down the stairs? Right. Is it never going to be about me? It's ne- No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's the hardest thing for an actor. <laughs> but the scene I showed, the scene I showed in acting class, because my right. acting class, the late great uh, Cliff Osman, yep. was always talking about don't cry. Only actors want to cry. If you cry, it must be out of an effort to, to try to achieve a result. And when it's not met, it produces the elic- it elicits the emotion of finally crying because you're not getting what you want. Okay. Usually during a breakup scene or Kramer versus Kramer. Right. Well, the perfect demonstration of that is Father Karras, she meets him on a park bench. She goes, I need you to do an exorcism. And he goes, well, I know I need the permission of the Catholic Church. I don't really think it. Just fucking help me. Would you fucking help me? Basically in so many words. He's like, no, I don't think so. Yep. So she brings him over again. Okay. And then he goes up into the room and it begins with the famous, your mother's in here with us, Karras. Would you like me to give her a message? I'll see that she gets it. And then she makes a drawer move, and he's like, do that for me again. No. Yeah. Come on, show me something. And then she fucking vomits in his face. Right. And he comes downstairs, and then the next scene begins with Ellen Burstyn ironing his freshly laundered suit. Right. His shirt. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. kind of changing in his T-shirt. He's sipping coffee because he just got fucking yeah. puked on. Good. And it just starts with 20 seconds of her staring at him. Yeah. Like, 
you motherfucker. Yeah. Are you going to fucking help it? Now you're going to do it? She goes, now you tell me that thing upstairs is not my daughter. You tell me. It's like, I, you know, she's saying she's the devil. That's like somebody saying, I'm not French. I'm Napoleon. Mm-hmm. I just really can't. She's like, you motherfucker. You fucking help me. And she starts to cry, but it's mm-hmm. out of anger. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's the moment that the acting class needs to see. Oh, it's okay. a very powerful scene. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want to cry, but this son of a bitch won't help her. Right, right. So what tactics do I need to get you to fucking help me do an exorcism. I need, uh, this is great. Uh, I need to know what, I'm not French, I'm Napoleon. What is, the, what's the analogy there? The analogy there is that she's not possessed, she's crazy. Oh, okay. Because if she were possessed, she would just say, I'm, I'm a demon. But oh, right, she's right. saying, I am the devil. I'm the devil, but I'm so also Regan. Uh, I'm no. Pazuzu, I'm, I'm the devil. So, uh, a truly possessed person wouldn't say that. A truly possessed person would just say, I'm a demon. Uh, oh, okay. So they wouldn't say I'm the devil. Right, right. As wow, a, Karis, somebody that wouldn't say Karis they were, knows some things. Father, Father Karis, Karis thinks he does. No, no, this to me, me. You've heard all the lines before. But, <laughs> no, no, I haven't. You're not my mother. And then I just learned that there, there's a scene in the subway where Karis has these dreams and visions of his mom descending a subway, which is basically a metaphor for hell. Okay. Because she has no, not the proper faith from her son. Ah, yes. And there's a guy in the, hey, water, spark water for an old altar boy father. It's just a guy they found, a homeless guy, and they dragged him over to do the scene. I like and then the- they had to find him like a couple of years later, uh, like at the end of production, they had to find him to ADR the line and they had to go looking oh, the- for him. <laughs> I don't know what he got paid. I don't know how it worked out. Right. I hope, I hope he uh, got, got uh, residuals or but something, he, but he didn't know what was happening because he saw himself on the screen like, what the fuck? Am I, am I dreaming? Am I that yeah, drunk yeah. where I'm voicing my own? Ah, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm out of body, but it was <laughs> all kinds of things if, as you delve into it, but. I like that the a, a director went and got a real priest and yes. he got a real homeless guy. And yeah. Yeah. Friedkin was like that. I think he wanted truth. And he put the, the, the other beautiful thing about this, if you're into horror, although we're not calling this a horror film, is the practical makeup effects. The makeup was cutting edge. It was all done practically, applied contact lenses. It wasn't CGI. And so okay. when Regan is shaken back and forth on the bed, yeah. it was a harness that they were pulling with ropes back and forth. And I talked to Linda Blair, who we'll get to later. Uh, I met her at, uh, she is represented by my same, uh, con, comic con artist, uh, represent, um, agent named Zach McGinnis. Okay. And so I talked to her about it. She goes, I was really hurt. I was telling him, make it stop, make it stop. Right. She was telling you're freaking actually, to you're, make you're it You're giving fucking me stop. whiplash. Yeah. She got okay. whiplash. Yeah. Although uh, uh, there's a scene where, uh, this picture of her is completely fucked up. This, it's what, did, what did they do to her teeth? They just darkened it. They put in they put in uh, dentures. Oh, they put style. in dentures yeah. to, over her teeth, and then they made her look all cut up, and and then yeah. they put in contact lenses to make her eyes all spooky green and stuff. Yeah, and then they had this woman Mercedes. Oh, what's her name? I gotta go back here. Mercedes uh, Benz. Nope. No, Probably she did not. the voiceover. She was wrong. a smoker. <laughs> so she did all the, hey, your mother's in his Oh, she did all the, the ADRs of that? Fuck you, you cocksucker. <laughs> Suck cocks in hell. There's a uh, scene where she's doing that. She's, she's shoving the crucifix into her v- vagina. Okay. And Ellen Burstyn sees this and tries to stop her. Wait, the, the daughter is supposedly uh, yeah. masturbating with a crucifix? Yeah. Yikes. And sta- it's all bloody. Okay. And so sure. the mother heroically rushes in to stop it. And Regan just tosses her off the bed. Well, in that scene, Ellen Burstyn was tied to a harness, and they were okay. doing the rehearsals. And the, she was dating Friedkin during the filming. Sure, but Friedkin was—you know—it's like, always so convenient. When was getting a little bit love. on the side, so there was anyway, that going on. So there was a course. lot of tension. Yeah. 
What the fuck are you doing? I hate you. Do you love me? You're uh-huh. manipulating me. And freaking was. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, I'm manipulating. Turns out. I'm fucking her up because yeah. be, it'll be great on camera. So she tells Friedkin, as the story goes, that the, the stuntmen are pulling me too hard. I'm, I'm really afraid here because during rehearsals, they're yanking me off the bed and oh, I, right. I'm a little scared. He's like, honey, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and he walks over to the stuntman and he's like, okay, camera set. And he goes, pull her as hard as you want. Yeah. Pull the fuck out of me. Yeah. And so they pull her. Fuck that guy, by the way. She lands anyway. on her coccyx. Yeah. Coccyx. Mm-hmm. And it supposedly kind of cracks. And she's in real pain. She's mm-hmm. in real pain. And the camera pounds down on her. She's screaming, ah! And they grab the shot. Yeah. Almost like John Malkovich in Shadow of the Vampire. Anything for the shot. Anything for the shot. Yeah. There was a, uh, what was that French Foreign Legion, uh, movie with, um, uh, brothers, the three, the three brothers who, who keep coming over. Oh gosh, I don't know. It's with Gary Cooper. Anyway, they, the, they, they had all these extras and they keep, the director keeps making, and some of them are actually veterans and they're, so they're, they're limping already, and he makes them come up the sand dune over and over oh, and over yeah. again. And so by the last time, they're furious, they're exhausted, <laughs> and they're out in the desert anyway. So he's like, oh, that was perfect. And they're like, we could kill you. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely. <laughs> so, the right. Warner Herzog down, drag that boat up a hill or something, you know? Right, right. You're just like, I see what you're doing. Um, but yeah, the thing about it is, made in 1973, it still stands as one of the greatest and it holds again, up. It holds horror up. supernatural thrillers of all time because of the fact that the story is so good. It's so grounded. It doesn't rely on CGI. They use they pulled the, the dresser drawers with ropes. They made right, everything right. fishing move. wire and they all. They used these hydraulics things. on the set to, yeah. to make the bed rise. They they cooled it, air conditioned it, so, you, so the breath was real. It wasn't CGI breath like I believe they used in the Social Network. Okay. When Zach, uh, what's his name? Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg walks outside. Okay. They have the breath going. I'm like, it looks like summer. They got t-shirts, yet there's foggy breath. Okay. I, I may be wrong on that, but they use practical stuff. Right. So it makes it, it, it you like the, the non-CGI kind of yeah, stuff because it makes it. it feel real. Yeah, it yeah. is. There's human movements. Uh, the, you know, Rick Baker in American Werewolf in London, that, that transformation of, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, I know the actor, uh, David Naughton. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that that stuff. I, of, I like that you're looking at Justin and not me because I would never know. No. I never saw American Werewolf in London either. I Excellent. hear it's really good. Excellent. Also yeah. resonates because it's he and Griffin Dunn. It's a comedy, but it's creepy. It's scary. I think it predates Thriller. I think that Landis got that job because of American Werewolf in London to do the Thriller video. Okay. Uh, because he did so well with that genre. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it's good. It's a buddy movie. They're they're hitchhiking across Ireland. And one night they go into a pub. I should know the name of this pub, but it's, uh, I think it's called a Bloody Lamb. Somebody will, will know this, but. Okay. And they, they just joke about walking at the moors at night and everything stops. Okay. And all the townsfolk are like, beware the moors. Don't walk. Ah, oh, fucking crazy Irish. Right. Fox. We're going to do what we want. <laughs> and, uh, somebody gets attacked by a werewolf and then David Naughton has to go through this journey of like, ah, oh, fuck. I, I got to kill myself, but I don't have the guts to kill myself. So. Oh, there you go. It's really good. It's, yeah, it's really I no, good. I hear it. it's amazing. I was just watching uh, Young Frankenstein last oh, yeah. night. Said again? <laughs> I've I've only I'd only seen it once, but for, I got for Christmas I got the Mel Brooks collection, <sighs> and uh, so I've I've got them all. And uh, Spaceballs is an error. Uh, I've never enjoyed Spaceballs. Just some because, people love it. I, some it, people do love it. I think there's a window, and you have to be ten years old. Ten years <laughs> old helps. And if you've just seen Star Wars. Plus, it also came yes. out ten years after Star Wars, so I was in college, and I'm like, "Wait, he, did Mel Brooks just see Star Wars?" Yeah, <laughs> so like, it's like, "What just happened?" I don't know. And, I want to do a comedy. I want to do a comedy about 
Star Wars. We'll, we'll write it. We'll do it. We'll shoot it. It's too late. Get these guys. The window. Get John Candy. Yeah. But so, and I, and I've never seen actually, I've only seen parts of High Anxiety. Great. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a great movie. Uh, from, from all accounts. I, of course, have seen Blazing Saddles, and I had never seen Young Frankenstein. Yes. And so, um, I just, and so I watched Young Frankenstein probably uh, six months ago, and then I just watched it last night with the uh, commentary on. My and, wife has never seen it. I can't believe it's not a Broadway play, and it probably will be now because Because you you've said it out loud. You know, I mean, I'm sure Oh, because Gene Wilder passed away? Yeah, I think yeah. That, 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 that it should. It's so brilliant, and Marty Feldman was so great in it. Catherine <laughs> Kahn. You can't find the patience for that type of comedy anymore. We were just talking about that with Raising Arizona, the the the, uh, the, the crafting of a joke or a scene that doesn't necessarily have to have a joke. Well, it's funny because Mel Brooks is talking about some of the jokes are kind of lame. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, these are very. He's like, you know, I like a, I like a lame joke. I, that's not how he put it, but he said he was like, he, I I like kind of a shitty joke. Yes. And then later. There was another joke. He said, I wrote this one. I wrote this one. And it was, yeah. uh, with, um, Terry Gar yes. and, uh, Big Knockers. That was oh, the, that was joke. the, and that was the joke. And he said, it was kind of a simple joke. Oh, it might have been Gene Wilder's. Are you it's, ready? Are you ready, nurse? Elevate me. Ele- what? Yeah. Raise the platform. Elevate the He pl- was talking oh, yeah. about how Terry Gar was able to, because of the way she delivered all of those, jo- those jokes in this incredibly naive, simplistic, yeah. n- uh, sort of, just very sweet way yes. that he could get away with more dick jokes than anybody. It was just the greatest. He was like, the way she delivered those dick jokes were the greatest because we could get away with all of them. Yeah, and, she was great. Yeah. And so, and, and he said Madeline Kahn, whenever she was on, on camera, he had to stick a, a handkerchief in his mouth. I bet. So he wouldn't laugh. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, sweet mystery of life, I finally found you. <laughs> um, and then the classic outtake one, would you help me with the bags? Certainly. You take the blonde, I'll take the one in the turban. <laughs> <laughs> that is. If you watch the outtakes of that, it's like. Oh, I'm um, yeah. I haven't seen those yet. So um, and, and the, the deleted scenes and the and the whole. <laughs> Carlos Alazraki uh, might have seen the film a couple I've of seen times. A couple. I want to see it again though. Yeah. It's, yes. Um, I Look figured... at you. Hey there, handsome. Yes, you. They call you ugly. You know why? Because they're jealous. <laughs> Do you want to talk about handsome? Do you want to talk about strength? Do you want to talk about the Olympian ideal? <laughs> you are not evil. You are good. Yes. Ooh, look at this little baby. And, that, and oh, then when yes. he sings, Welcome to the Ritz. It was amazing. Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle, right? Yep. Or is Peter, Peter Boyle, Boyle the one that directed Slumdog Millionaire? Or is it Danny Boyle? It's Peter Boyle. Danny Boyle is the... Uh, Peter I, Boyle played uh, Frankenstein. Yeah. Or the, uh, the, Everybody the monster. Raven. Frankenstein's uh, monster. Frankenstein's monster. By which, it reminds me of something that your listeners should check out called... Yep. Um, it's called Off the Curb. It's an all-improv cartoon I did with Cedric Garborough, Gary Anthony Williams, Fred Tattashore, John DiMaggio, and then Eric Bowser in later episodes. Okay. Our first episode is called Monster Talk. Mm-hmm. And it's about a riff... A riff that John DiMaggio did in a voiceover session, but it's like, uh, Frankenstein will whoop Dracula's ass. Oh, hell no. Dracula would come up on Frankenstein and punch him right in the mouth. Oh, hell. Dracula would suck Frankenstein dry and then <laughs> all improv lies. Gentlemen, I have to correct you. Uh, the, the, the monster's name is not Frankenstein. The monster's name is Tomas. Tomas? <laughs> I wouldn't let no motherfucker named Tomas whoop my ass. If there was a monster named Laser or Fligo, I'd be running from that shit. So that's part of that. That's part of that. That is Frankenstein's awesome. Monster, sorry. It's uh, the uh, no, the Frankenstein monster, the I think it was Jim Coughlin who uh will uh cannot 
I, I don't know why he's not famous. He's a very dry yes. comic. He's a Los Angeles guy, Jim Coughlin. Everybody should go see Jim Coughlin. Go see You him. get a chance. Uh, he tweeted once. He said, the monster is not Frankenstein. I, the person who has corrected you, am the monster. <laughs> and uh, I was like, that is the greatest one-liner uh, in, is... in the world of Frankenstein jokes that I've ever heard in my life. I love it. So yes. it's a good one. So, uh, oh, other than that, you are you have met Linda Blair. I have met Linda Blair. Linda Blair. We talk about her organization. She's saving animals now. Um, She's saving animals that's now? That's what she does. Yeah, she has she saved that dog? The Linda Blair World Heart Foundation, .org or .com. And it's called the Linda Blair World Heart Foundation. She saves, rescues animals, and that's what she's all about. But I have World these Heart. pictures when she's being elevated. So I'll, I'll learn you here. That's Father um, oh, Marin. Yeah. Not okay. Mark Marin. Oh, this is a screenshot. It's not Mark Marin. It's Father Marin. Right, M-E-R-R-I-N, right. M-E-R-R-I-N, not M-A-R-O-N. So right, not, right. It's not Mark Marin doing an exorcism. He's Jewish. It wouldn't count. Right. He's got to be Catholic. Even though they invented That's Father Karras, and that's Regan. That's a very famous scene while she's elevating. And she signed it for you. The power of She signed it for me. I was such a geek. Right. You were like, when you first met her, you're like, uh, I would I, like this still shot of your television program, your movie. For somebody else. For someone else. And then you're like, I lied. I Lee Cobder. And you Lee Cobder. That's so funny. And then this is, is this her today? Yeah, this is her today. With that her is not her stuff. today. She's got to be 70 she's little, years old. She's a little bit older. She's probably a little bit older than me. That's fine. The thing is. She's about 56, I would say. Okay. You know, nobody ages um, the same. People in Los Angeles don't age the same way yeah. as the rest of the world. Uh, uh, that's because uh, there's facials and uh, and you Botox. get to lie down more. Yes. You get to lie down uh, and, and nap. Fight gravity. There's Right. There's fighting of gravity and there's less stress in the fact that you have a team. Yes. And if you can afford a team to sort of uh, work you into, you can last longer. But you know who I, yeah, I, I got to meet a, a couple of months ago was Bo Derek. Yeah. How have you ever hold up? She holds up amazing, and I think it's and I think Linda Blair has the same thing where she's got the bone structure. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, oh, those cheekbones are gonna make it well mm-hmm. into your seventies, ma'am. And uh, yeah, good looking people, uh, kind of lasting. So she, so she has a the World Heart Foundation. Yeah, is Linda what it's Blair, called. Linda and so Bro. she's helping uh, just she's dogs just and helping, cats or anybody. I think animals beyond. That. I think horses and, and all kinds of animals. But I just domesticated or the or the rare and 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 hard at work. It's all, uh, I have ones. a whole flyer here thing, but the, 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 the Linda Blair World Heart, Heart org is what it is. And they rescue, it looks like mostly dogs here. So it's Okay, she pits. might be a dog purple. Oh, pit Yeah, bulls? she is a dog. Yeah, mostly pit bulls and stuff okay. like that. Okay. Little... Pit bulls are adorable. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. Uh, you can donate online. Um, you, can... you can do all kinds of stuff. Uh, the, the, uh, we can, we'll do that stuff later. We can tag well, on. But... Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, she uh... was great. And it was a thrill for me because... As we've been talking about for almost the past hour, this this is a film that I really felt a personal connection to. It's just so weird. I and saw it by myself. It, sc- it scared me. Yeah, I was afraid to go out in the backyard because I thought I'd see Regan. Uh, and, ah, and the thing they did in the movie is There's they added these simple little shots. Than just a tiny child just standing uh, by a hedgerow, yeah. or in a hallway, or in just like right, Shining. I mean, oh, is that the Shining? Because at it's, the end I, of the hallway, the twins. Oh, there you go. The twins. This, that's Dan. right. That's right. Oh. Anyway, yeah, that's another movie. Ringu, I'll, I'll, the Japanese never, or the ring. The, I'll never well. see that. So, but it's, uh, I, I know that they're well done, which is why I don't want to see them because they will genuinely scare me. They and, will. Uh, they, and they successfully do their job. We're comedians. Yeah. We don't like to tap into f- super feelings. We kind of bury our feelings and bring all our angst on stage and tell which, jokes. Which is why I think that comics make the best dramatic actors. 
is yeah, because Michael Keaton. Yeah, there's a, a if you see Steve Carell in anything, that yeah. guy feels like a, an empty vessel you could pour a script into. Yeah, and he turns into that guy. Every movie I see Steve Carell in, he's almost in a different movie than yeah. the movie that everyone. I've said this before. I'm sure everyone's because I the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, is two different movies for me. There's the one Meryl Streep is doing, mm-hmm. and then there's the movie <laughs> that uh, the good-looking uh, youth Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Those two kids are doing. Yeah, uh, I'm 107, yeah. so I call those people the two kids. Uh, he's a chef, and, uh, <laughs> and they're having a romantic comedy. She is in a movie where a middle-aged white lady is having a, a, a serious issue in her life. Yes, and uh, being taken over by these young upstarts, right? While her husband divorces her. Yeah, and so I feel. I was like, those are, I just want to see the movie Meryl Streep is in, quite honestly. Except mm-hmm. for that I don't like a drama because I find them tense. Uh, mm. so I have a hard time watching, but I like, I like the idea that, that The Exorcist isn't a horror film, that it's, that no. it's just a story a that has a supernatural angle to it, but we're following these actual, this actual, like I saw Jaws. And yeah. Jaws has actual character development. These are people that I get to know through the course of yes. the film. That's it a isn't, true horror feeling. That, 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 there's a monster. There is a monster. Uh, the, the guy who wrote Monster in a Box, uh, or, or actually, uh, Save the Cat Goes to the Movies. He had a theory called Monster in a Box. That it's ultimately like the alien, it's scary when the monster's contained inside a ship. But yeah. when it's in the ocean, the challenge is to make that scary. Yeah. So that the ocean has to be the environment that we're all traveling into and knowing there's something in that ocean. <laughs> right. And do you, is, because the ocean is so big. Yes. That so you have to make to it am- see the, you have to Amityville? see the fin. Not Amityville, it's, uh, is it Amityville Beach? Not the movie, but I think it's something akin to that. But yeah, Jaws is, and what, it, what Jaws has and what the exorcists have are moments of lightness. It's not all brooding. Okay. It's not all terrible, which is foreboding because yeah. we know something's going to happen and the characters are like, ooh, they're happy now, but they don't know they're not going to be happy <laughs> in a second. Right. That I find enormously tense. Yeah. Uh, so there's, uh, but I, I love the idea that you know that we follow this detective and that the detective just wants to have a regular relationship with a with, a, with just a, he just wants a friend a friend just a buddy hey you want to go see a movie and then all of a sudden he gets sucked into this murder uh which happens to have a demonic my brother Scott saw this movie uh-huh. in 1973 he and did. so if i was in 1973 i was 8 so he would have been uh 10 12 14 he would have been 14 so he <sighs> saw it when he was 14 i remember him coming home and saying hey uh my friend actually had to get exercised after seeing this movie. And I was like, even as an eight-year-old, I knew he was full of shit. Yeah. And, uh, and to this day, he says, no, she totally did. And I'm like, you're 56 now. I still don't believe you. Yeah. And <laughs> My mom, who is an Episcopal and Methodist minister, gets called one night. She's living in Selma off 99, farm community. She was always near a farm community because she's from Argentina and speaks Spanish. And so right. we deal with the farm workers who wanted to go to an Episcopal or Methodist church. Gets called one in the morning to do an exorcism. Please, ayúdame, por favor. It's like, I don't do an exorcism. I can't do it. Please, ayúdame, por favor, el diablo. <laughs> so she shows up and she goes, oh, and my brother's like, mom. The girl was on PC. <laughs> no, Eddie, I go into the room and I put my cloth on and she's talking like this. And all of a sudden I throw holy water and I hear this whole different voice. And she goes, my name is Larry. <laughs> Larry, because she swears that the girl was possessed. My mom was possessed by it a guy was named PCP. Larry. It was probably PCP. I'm yeah. so sorry. It was not ayahuasca. She would have wanted to hug you. Yeah, it was not Molly. Speaking so. of which, ayahuasca. I'm part of a really fun film called This Is Meg with Jill Michelle Melian. This is self-funded. What? This is Meg. It's about her journey. 
a journey of a girl in L.A. trying to find serenity and show business at the same time and getting into all these things. But we're all in that movie, yeah. man. We're all in that I play movie. a guy named Tony Eckhart, a healer, and there's an ayahuasca uh, ceremony. Which is uh, a drug that I've just learned, which is why it's, it's bringing me, it's bringing up, it's coming up more often on the dork for us because people are like, let's talk about ayahuasca. And I'm like, what is it? It's, and, it, is, uh, it is an actual hallucinogen, although the people, but will people tell throw you, up, I'm told. Absolutely shit, diarrhea, throw up. They lose control of their body. Everything. And you would think that they would throw up the ayahuasca because it's a drinkable drug, right? Yeah, you they drink, drink it. it. But for some reason, it works so fast that when you throw up, the drug is still inside you. Yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. It's it's a plant-based uh, hallucinogen. And you got to have a shaman. I'm told that you should have yeah, a buddy. Yeah, and I've seen specials on it. It's To me, I There's, think it's dangerous. I, I don't think you're going to meet demons. and get. I don't think you can drink a tea and rid yourself of all your psychological problems. I just don't subscribe to that kind of fast healing stuff. Right. Because people... Oh, I, I can't take drugs. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, but the, I drink whiskey. So Do you, okay, which is it's which is a a, a legal sort of and it's a yeah, but I think with whiskey, I mean, I I worked the road with a guy named Greg Fleet mm-hmm. for four weeks. He's an Australian comic, oh, yeah. and he used to drink like a like a fifth of whiskey every day. That's a lot. It's a lot. Well, he had a uh, an abuse thing in his body that made the heroin not work, so uh, he was trying to do a workaround. Oh, wow. He wanted to check out, right? And so uh, I'm a huge fan of checking out, right? I like the idea of uh, having my mind blown, calling it a day, not being responsible. How do you check out? Oh, to this day, I just reread. I do a lot of rereading. I read wow. a lot of books, and then I reread old books that I know the end, the, the how they're going to work out in the end. Yeah. It's very soothing. Uh, so I, I, I dive into a world where I know, like I'll reread the Harry Potter books and I'm like, oh, this Britain's going to work out. You guys, yeah. turns out Harry Potter's going to win. Yeah. And, uh, and so Just like Jesus, right? Like those Lee child, uh, Jack, uh, Archer books, yeah. not Archer. I don't know what his name is. Any, uh, it's all over. Anyway, there's a bunch of sort of like mercenary, uh, CIA, mm-hmm. J- Jason Bourne kind yeah. of books that yeah, my just... mother-in-law reads and she just gives them to me. And I'm like, Oh, this is crap, and uh, I can read it in three hours. And guess what? He wins in the yeah, end. But that's Justice very healthy. was served. You deal with your loneliness on the road, or I yeah, tell you, by reading. Yeah, it's that's there's brilliant. It, well, it's less. It's less. I think like because I can control it a little bit more than food. Like I also eat. Uh, but I, but I mean like, yeah. it, but it's a little bit better than the amount that I used to drink, for example, or the fact that, and I can't smoke pot because I fall asleep. Yeah, and. uh which is also a good way to do it. when you wake up. Right after sleep a good night's sleep. <laughs> right after a good, wake and bake, then you're up, Jackie. Wake and bake, man. Anyway, so, uh, but like, uh, drugs have never, they've never really worked for me, but yeah. ayahuasca draws me to it because it's supposed to blow your mind, man. And I've done mushrooms a couple of times. Okay. And I always think, well, I would like to do mushrooms every day and have that big conversation, you know? Yeah. Because it's the big conversation I like. But yeah. why can't I just have the big conversation? Why do I have to get all... Uh, I have my mind blown down. I have what I call and describe therapy as Tim Robbins and Shawshank Redemption scratching away a little bit at the wall, putting it in his pocket, oh. walking out to the rec yard, and shaking it through his pant leg. That's your soul. Okay. And you do it daily. Okay. And you do it for 20 years, and yep. eventually the whole gets allows Done. you to escape through the shit okay. pipe of your own emotional turmoil. Right. Um, and so I get my fix of that, of discovery, yeah. in subtle methods. I don't know that. I used to skydive. Okay. There were were moments where. Have you skydived a lot? I used to. A fair amount. 15 years. I had 700 plus jumps. Oh my God. That was 
my geekdom, I guess. Part of my geekdom. That's not tandem, right? That's you no, standing that's on the I wing of a rigs. plane. I jumped, and I you jumped out of a hot air go. balloon. I jumped in Hawaii. I jumped you jumped out of place. a hot air balloon? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of my last You were jumps. a destination? You'd go yeah. to Hawaii just to jump out of it yeah. and go, I want to see what the sky looks like I want to uh, go to Dillingham Hawaii. Airspace and jump out over the ocean and have the uppers blow me inland and then, and then land in the designated area of the DZ. But yeah, so um I, I think that yeah, everybody searches. I'll have to say that I've gotten into whiskey. Because I, I do. I had that Don Draper moment. I've got two kids, a five-year-old and two-year-old. My wife does the lioness share of the wow. world for sure. Yeah, and I'm yeah. there and I'm, I'm at home and I try to – and at the end of the day, and you get the kids down to the bed and you've got two hours of your time. Because yeah. you got, you, you got to set up the circus tent again the next day. Right. And I really – that sound of ice going into a whiskey glass – Right. And me, I love the, uh, the Islay whiskeys, the, the Kaolila, the Ardbeg, all the smoky stuff. What's Islay? Is that where it's from? Southern Isles of Scotland. They all use, okay. they roast the barley with peat, so it's very peaty and smoky and earthy. And okay. I love that ritual. And I don't do it every night, but there's right. nights where like the kids are down. <laughs> I want to escape to Don Draper land. Right. It's not I want to meet somebody new. It's just like, I want to just go and be me. Just be mellow. Watch for my a show. Second. Yeah. Drink What's a glass your- of whiskey. I like. I was watching Doc Martin on Netflix. It's a British series. It's pretty much house. Is it about meet. shoes? No. no, it's not about Doc Martin. Martin Clunes is okay. about a GP, who General uh, actually practitioner. in a small fishing village called Port Wen, which is actually in re- reality Port Isaac. But he's a London surgeon who suddenly cannot stand the sight of blood and becomes sick, and so he has to discover a new career. Okay, and goes to Port Wen to be their GP. Okay, it's house meets uh northern exposure oh neat. but he's a very he has no bedside manner he's very mean and he's trying to get along with this whole fishing village it's it's on netflix although okay. they don't have season seven on netflix and i'm dying because i just finished season six and it's oh, about wow. eight episodes per season so oh so I, there's only eight episodes per se- i will watch that yeah you'll that love is. It. okay martin clunes is and every actor is wonderful and okay it's, it's dark there's some grisly injuries in it sure so it combines comedy with character study but I, I love it. I, I, I hear the music, dun, 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 and I got my glass of whiskey, and I, that's my vacation. Right. That's my right. one that, hour. Yeah, that's a moment where you get to just chill out for a second. Because on the road, I, I wasn't a good road comic person. I, I just turned out a gig to do a casino in Milwaukee. Two shows, one night, good money. I thought, I don't want to do it. Right. I'm fortunate enough that I'm making money. My dad asked me, leave. I'm from Milwaukee. Yeah. Every time I talk to my dad, he's like, you gonna, you gonna work a Pakawatomi or whatever yeah, it's called? That's probably what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. It's in downtown Milwaukee. And I was like, dad, they have not offered me that money. Uh, I don't know who books it. I don't care. Because yeah. I don't want to do a, a casino. I don't want to do a casino. That's what I told my manager. It's usually not I go, a I would, go, I would go to Portland to wa- work a laughing skull type thing or an yeah. acme thing for less money. Mm-hmm. We don't, there's money were, gigs yeah, there's money that gig. you do for money. Yes. And then there's gigs that you do because you want to do stand-up. And sometimes, and this isn't, again, to make a sweeping statement, casino gigs are usually a hostage situation. Yeah. It's usually, I mean, yes. and I have been in small towns where it's not a hostage situation, where people are like, thank God you've come. There's yes. nothing else to do. And that's yes. different from a casino where you're like, I could be go losing, uh, this week's paycheck. And, uh, but I gotta, I, I, I gotta wait till midnight so that ATM will let me take out another $500. Yes. And you're like, I hate performing for you. you it's don't. hard. I don't care about you. I don't, I yeah. have no feelings for you. It's a masturbatory thing. I, I use you for, I, that's the first line of my act now is like reconciling fatherhood. And family love with stand-up comedian. I look at my right. daughter, Riley. I have to go. She says, I love you. And I say, I love you too. 
but not as much as the attention and adulation <laughs> of strangers at the comedy club. You're the second best part of my day. That's it. There's a hole in my heart that your hugs and alcohol can't fill, and that's audience laughter. That is audience it's laughter. So weird. And I can't do that anymore. And I you're can't. not the hero of that statement, but it is a very, very true statement. Right? Comics are damaged, and I couldn't deal with the loneliness of being alone 20 hours a day. Maybe a comic... Like you, I know that I could talk with, I could go out, but you know how comics are. I'm going to smoke pot and stay in my room all day. Fuck! I'm Lee Cobb. I want to go see a movie with you. It's one of the wonderful things about going on the road with Bamford is that you can, I, here's what Maria and I do. We hang out or we don't hang out and we're both open enough to say, I have to fuck off now. Uh, I can't hang out with you, Mm -hmm. but I would really like to hang out with you. Um, and and it's like, like we, I see her like maybe for lunch. Good. Or a late breakfast, and then at like five or six, we'll do joke machine. We'll tell jokes to each other for an hour. Oh, that's great. And then we'll go to a show, and then afterwards, uh, she'll get a cookie. I'll go bail and read a book. Uh, you know, that's healthy, it's, and that's it's nice. fine. It's just you're not you know that you can call someone who is just someone who you can hang out with and talk, chat like a friend, which is why going on the road with a friend is so amazing. I, you know, yeah. I used to, I was able to do that during the Reno nine one one days where I had a little bit more clout and draw. Right, and then once that weaned, I said I don't need to do this anymore. Right. And I started to do therapy, and I got in touch with how much I, I was hiding my own feelings. I yeah. know we're getting touchy-feely, but I was like, some people are built for it. They can do it. I, I can't. Right. I can't or do it anymore. they have to do it because that's their gig. Yeah. That's the road. And, and I'm then, lucky enough that I that I don't. Right. And you, and you But those people who have to do the road, God. like I do the road like 35, 40 weeks a year. Wow. But I can't do it 42 weeks a year like I used to do it. Yeah. And I don't have to anymore, uh, which is, a, a, of course, I'm very grateful about. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you know, all, it all, and I have this theory is that all comics are going to be the third act of The Wrestler yeah. at the end of it anyway. Yeah. Where you're just like, well, I need a triple run. I also need yeah. money. I need the stage time. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. And so then you find yourself working for Barry Neal for a hundred bucks and yeah. you're like, what have I done? And you're like, well, I needed the gig. I needed the hundred bucks. Yeah. And he's making 300 and that's the way it goes. That's But right. it's, it's fine. Yeah, you you make do, and then I'm fascinated. You make a decision. You know? I've transitioned. I was like Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny kind of doesn't do any stand up anymore, and he was brilliant at it. Growing mm-hmm. up with Bobcat, very sharp. But yeah, I I am still will always be proud to say I am a comic, and I, I worked like the bar uh, here, the the bar with the fish and chips here in the, in on on Woodley and Bernie Venturi. Beanery, Shinebach, Shinebach, Shinebach. I don't know. Shinebach. I think it was called Shinebach. And it was a bar gig, and Lori was kind enough to share it with me. But I'm fascinated by comics. I yeah. like going to flappers. I like watching young comics because I did that in '87 yeah. through '94 in San Francisco. Stephen Pearl, Jeremy Kramer, Robin Williams, Michael Pritchard, Linda Hill, Marsha Warfield, Ellen stopped by. I saw that. I'll, I already went through that, mm-hmm. so I'm fascinated watching it. I'll always be a comic. It'll be like it's a stamp you get. Yeah, but I know that I can't do it anymore i don't love it as much i wanted it to be a means to an end right and as long as uh, the thing is is i don't know there are some comics who stop doing stand-up and then they get kind of mad about stand-up if there would be a way to stop doing stand-up and to still love stand-up and love that you were a stand-up and you're like it's fine and i and i can watch other people do it and enjoy their work that would be the best you know i think i'm close to that i really do you sound pretty close to it sounds like you've got that which is amazing because if you're not doing stand-up like, as I, and I've said this a hundred million times, is the only thing that fixes a bad day is a good set. And the only Absolutely. thing that fixes a bad set is a good set. 
Yes. But uh, a good day can't fix a bad set, unfortunately. Yeah. It, it's, it's hurt so much. It's just, it's you You got to go do another set. Scar tissue and all. It still yeah. hurts a it's, bit. And you mentioned Tom Kenny. People should know he's the voice of uh, SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, just so if people are need, need a reference. And all we can see at this point is Nickelodeon has greenlit a, a Rocco's Modern Life movie. That what is, is that? going to What's happen? Rocco's Modern Life? Rocco's Modern Life was a cartoon done in 92 through 95. <laughs> I was the voice of Rocco and Spunky. <laughs> and then Chameleon Brothers and Tom was Heifer and other characters bloating. Okay. Um <laughs> they're reprising that film. All okay. we are uh, You're gonna make it all we can see at this point is that we hope we are hoping and anticipating. If you liked that, Rocco's Modern Life in the nineties, which was a yes. was, was a serial. A new movie is going to be made. Or was we, it a movie? It was a, a, a series fifty two uh, half hours. Fifty two okay. half hours. Four okay. years. So a series. So the movie is coming out. The made for T V uh forty four minute movie is going to be made for Nickelodeon, that is all we are uh, in, encouraged to say at this point. Fair enough. Hopefully at some point we will be announcing more news on that. Right. And uh, the original cast hopefully will be reprised. Right. When that's official, we can say that, but it is happening. And so... The only reason I knew that Tom Kenny was uh, SpongeBob SquarePants mm-hmm. is because I have a nephew who watched it, and I've never seen SpongeBob SquarePants. It's brilliant. That's what I hear. Uh, so <laughs> I haven't... I haven't uh, uh, there's all, I've seen almost nothing. Yeah. And, uh, but you read... Great, one of the great things about the Dork Forest is trying to explain music and television and movies to me. Yeah. And so, so but I, I love the idea of all of those things, but there are too many, there's too many great things, which is an amazing yeah. gift that we have now is that there's so much great entertainment out there that everybody, so the fact that everybody should find Rocco's Modern Life from the 90s. Go back and look at it. Is it on we, Netflix? We have think? fans that are like girls that are like girls and boys that are 10 years old because their parents turned them on. Yeah. To it. When I go to a con and then I'll have people my age and older going, I love yeah. Rocco. It was part of my childhood, college, uh, yep. grade school, etc. So Rocco's Modern Life, it's on, you can look it up by the box set. It's on YouTube. Sure. Um, he's a Check great it character. Out. That's awesome. And then uh, you, at Carlos Alhazrahi, is what your Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. is. And then the Facebook has the in front of it. The, the Carlos, Carlos Alhazrahi. Yeah. And uh, I love the fact that we just spent about 47, 48 minutes talking about The Exorcist. It's great. And- you should read the book. <laughs> I bought yeah. the book for 25 cents at, when I was on the road for Donna... Burdick. Right. Uh, I used to do the bend, yeah. uh, Klamath Falls in Roseburg, which was a clan well, town. I, I can read Cafe. scarier stuff if it's a graphic novel. It's I good. It's yeah. a good book. Yeah. And just stick in your mind, William Peter Blatty co-wrote Shot in the Dark. Okay. Comedy movie. I'm actually, from this, what I, what Jackie Cation will be watching, Carlos, uh, is Doc Martin. Doc uh, Martin's that, that's, good. <laughs> that's what I'm going to get out of this. It's good. So, uh, in two weeks, you're going to, are you doing a benefit? Oh, October 22nd, Jill Michelle Melian, Sean Palofsky, I want to say. Mm-hmm. We were all in Jill's movie called This Is Meg. It's a self-funded movie shot by Alex Ferrari. Okay. And Deborah Wilson's in it, myself, Mo Collins. Oh, nice. It's a girl finding her spiritual enlightenment while still trying to survive being an actress in Hollywood. I play a healer whom she turns to morning, noon, and night via the iPad and social media types of things. Right. And we did an ayahuasca ceremony. That's part of the movie. Okay. But we're going to be doing sort of a post-production fundraiser for it at the Ice House on October 22nd at 8 o'clock. Ice House. This October is Meg's fundraiser. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for doing the Dork Forest. Well, We've been trying to do this for about a, a yeah. year and a half. So uh, we met at Setlist uh, doing stand-up yes. comedy. And... Um, if you get a chance, uh, Rangers, go see Carlos Alves, right? Do anything, quite honestly, because it is always a delight. Uh, thank you so much. And Rangers, you know the rule out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. 
my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?